There is a constellation in the sky called the male. The male with a sturgeon and he swims in the Milky Way. His nose touches one side of the Milky Way and his tail touches the other side of the Milky Way. And, and we're told that where that sturgeon swims, that's the present. And where his nose touches, that's the future. And where his tail touches, that's the past. There's 13 stars to make up that constellation, but there's seven main ones. And those seven main ones represent generations. And we, right now in the present, swimming in that Milky Way, we're right in the center of those seven. That's Elder Wilfred Buck. He's one of the leading First Nations astronomy and star lore experts, and he's a proud member of the Opaskwiak Cree Nation, Treaty 5 territory in Manitoba. He's our guest today on the Akamemok podcast. Danse, tawal, and welcome to the Akamemok podcast. I'm your host, Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. Hakamemok is a Plains Cree word meaning, you all persevere. Or in other words, let's keep going and don't give up. So on this podcast, we discuss the leading issues facing First Nations peoples with top experts, with elders, and community leaders. And today, our guest is Wilfred Buck. He is a science facilitator at the Manitoba First Nations Education Resource Centre and is one of the leading Indigenous star story experts in the world. He is affectionately known as the Star Guy because of his deep knowledge of First Nations astronomy, which he promotes by traveling to First Nations communities with portable planetariums, teaching traditional stories of the stars we see in our night sky. Mr. Wilfred Buck, a great big welcome to our Akamemak podcast. Thank you. So Wilfred, let's talk about what first attracted you to teaching First Nations stories about the stars, the heavens. Always interested in the sky, of course, being from Apaskiak. I had the opportunity to uh, lay back on the banks of the Saskatchewan River, especially in a fall night or a early spring night, and sit there and stare at the sky. I just wondered about what was up there, and I realized how big it was. And it wasn't until later on that I... Uh, when I went, went to school and I, I started hearing stories about, about Roman Greek mythology and about all the various stars, like the stars of Orion and Ursa Major, Ursa Minor, and all that. So I assumed at that time that nobody knew nothing, nothing else. Hmm. It was only the Romans and Greeks that uh, went outside and looked up at the sky. But I, I did, that didn't sit right in my head because I, I, did, I did that. I went outside and looked at the sky, so other people must have. And it wasn't until later on when I started going to a ceremony that uh, some of the stories they were talking about and some of the songs that they were singing, they uh, had a, a certain ring to them that reminded me of Hatsagosak, those stars. I started uh, talking to the elders. I started trying to find stories. And the first story I ever came across was from uh, Kineseo Siupi. Kineseo Siupi is a community on the tip of Lake Winnipeg in the north north tip of Lake Winnipeg, better known as Norway House. And there was an elder there. His name was Murdo Scribe. And Murdo Scribe told a story about uh, Hoji, Kojik the fisher, and it was associated to the Big Dipper. Mm-hmm. And that was the very first story I'd ever heard from a, from a, a perspective other than uh, the Western uh, civilization. And I thought that was pretty amazing. And uh, I was told at that time that uh, our people understood about those stars and that uh, every star you could see in the sky with the naked eye had a story, had a constellation, had a teaching behind it and had instructions on how we should live. And I was intrigued by that. After that, I'd uh, lost myself 
in the world of uh, drugs and alcohol and crime. As a young man, probably from when I was about 12 till I was in about, probably about 29, I lived on the streets and I was in, I was lost in alcohol and drugs and crime. And I, I became very intimate with all the, uh, all the skid rows right from Thunder Bay to uh, Vancouver. Every city and every, every province, I lived on those streets in those back leads, in the used car lots, under the bridges. I lived in those places. Mm. And I survived by doing whatever I could to survive. And then it wasn't until, uh, I think it was early uh, 1972 that I heard, a, I was in uh, Edmonton at the time, and I heard a call from the elders saying that if uh, young people wanted to learn about their history, their language, their culture, their ceremony, then they should go to uh, Morley, Alberta. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard that, and I, I, I was just coming out of a three-month drunk. I was shaking, and I was seeing things, and I decided to hitchhike to uh, Morley, so I did. When I got to Morley, I got reintroduced to our people through the ceremony and the deep understanding that our people have, the deep spirituality. One of the elders that uh, took me under his wing was Ernest Tutusis. Oh, from uh, Pound Maker. Yeah, no, Ernest Atusis, yeah. I was sitting at the camp in, in Morley, and I was uh, going through DTs, shaking and sweating and all kinds of things in my head. And he looked at me and he said, you know, since you don't want to go to none of those meetings, because at the time they were having big meetings and people were attending the presentations, he said, since you don't want to go to meetings, you're going to come with me, he said. And so I didn't have no say in the matter. He, he took me along. And then he made me work all day. Go get willows, certain willows I had to get. Then I had to go pick certain rocks. Then I had to get wood. Then I had to dig a hole and make make a structure. Step by step, through the whole day, he, he taught me how to do that. And I sweated and I sweated and I sweated. And then after the fire was made, then everybody showed up. Everybody showed up to come to the sweat lodge. So I went and got my towel and stuff, and I was going to come back to the sweat lodge. And and he, he looks at me and said, well, what do you think you're doing? I said, I'm not. I'm going to go to the sweat. He said, oh, no, you're watching the door. You're, you're the fire keeper. You're, that's what your job is. You're the Oscapayos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I, so I didn't get to go in that lodge, but, but he straightened me out. And it wasn't until uh, probably maybe five, six years later that I realized what this, what this, what this old man showed me. He showed, showed me about Matutsan. He showed me the whole process of it and what to do and how to use it and how to build it and what to do. Every little single step he showed me, and I didn't realize that. It took me six years before I, the fog left my head. And by that time, he had passed on, so I didn't have a chance to uh, to go acknowledge his, his work for, for my, my first teacher. Oh. And from there, I also met uh, other teachers, and uh, Alex Bonas from Little Pine. Yeah. Met him and uh, Albert Lightning, Muscatis. Met all these wonderful people. They introduced us young people in, into the uh, into the culture. And uh, okay. that's, that's where we started learning. And when we did that, I slowly come to become to realize that uh, the depth of knowledge that uh, our people held, but not only our people, all indigenous people all over the world, there's a certain knowledge that people have. And it's and there's an intellectual capacity that's always overlooked. Yeah. And always passed off as simplistic, simplistic understanding, simplistic stories. And these stories have a lot of depth and a lot, a lot of knowledge that's encased in them. And the methodologies that were arrived at to get to gain this knowledge was different from the Western methodologies. Mm-hmm. And I had a chance to uh, talk with one of the elders named uh, Ken Goodwill. Our Dakota elder from Standing Buffalo, Ken Goodwill. I ran to him a few times, and one time I, I had a chance to talk with him about the, the stars. We were out by uh, at one Eskewin, 
outside outside on the on the northern plains in September, and we were looking at that nice guy, and he was telling me he's the one who told me that every every visible star he could see with the naked eye had a story attached to it, and he said, due to the historical trauma that happened to our people, we lost eighty five percent of that knowledge base that we had. And that's with everything, right across the board, right from educational systems uh, to med medical care, everything, the whole thing, we lost 85% of that knowledge. So there were people that dedicated their lives to the stars at Chagosak. Mm -hmm. We lost them. We only had 15% left. So yet from there, we got to build what we lost. Because the word lost isn't, isn't the correct term. He said it has been misplaced. Mm. The way this knowledge was gained was gained through Sundance. It was gained through sweat lodge. It was gained through vision quest. It was gained through dreaming. It was gained through fasting and, and traveling and talking to people. That's how this knowledge was gained. And he said, the thing about that is that we still do these things. So we can still regain that knowledge. That's the journey I've been on for the last 16 years. And I'm slowly uh, getting in tune with these dreams. A lot of these dreams are coming to me. Like I see, I have that miguana uh, tick behind you there. Mm-hmm. It was revealed to me where it is in the sky. Wow. You know, so to our listeners, Wilfred, you know, you've gained your knowledge by spending time with the elders, the old people, the knowledge keepers, you know, and through ceremony. You mentioned the fasting ceremony, Sundance Lodge ceremony, Sweat Lodge ceremony, Sapasigan, Four Post Calling Spirit Lodge ceremony. And that's really what it's all about, getting our teachings, you know, and bringing that back. And so you've had some really good teachers, and you mentioned these very special old men, Alex Bonis, Albert Lightning, Kenny Goodwill, Ernest Tutusis. It's uh, kind of funny because I know a lot of these people and how you, you spent the whole day building that lodge, getting the rocks, getting the willows, building it, making the fire. But no, you don't go in. You're the Oskapos, the helper or servant. You just watch the door. So even that's teachings in itself. Right? So that was your, 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 your um, good grounding. So that was that. Was, my next question was, you know, like how you gathered your knowledge, and you've already explained it. You already mm -hmm. uh, talked about that by spending time with the old people, the knowledge keepers, and the importance of ceremony, and hanging mm -hmm. on to that fifteen percent, you know, of the knowledge that's there because we've lost so much between the residential schools, the Indian Act, and all the colonization, for sure. Now, mm -hmm. I want to ask something about in all those teachings, and you learned about the uh, the stars and the constellations. Is there any particular teaching or story from the old people that you love telling the most? You know, even when you talked about Ursa Major, Ursa Minor, well, we have different words for those things in our languages for sure. Mm -hmm. But is there anything mm -hmm. that jumps out and you say, oh, I really like sharing this one? Well, for me, the one story I heard had to do with Hachagos uh, Squirrel. Hachagos Squirrel, Star Woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, this uh, story, I believe, predates uh, European contact. So our people had this perspective prior to the coming of the Europeans. The thing we have to remember is that prior to the coming of the Europeans, there was no uh, structured religion. There was no Christianity. Mm -hmm. So our people had a certain point of view, a, a certain belief. Uh, spirituality was based on spirituality. It was based on Atsaga, mm -hmm. those stars, uh, those spirits, and all, all, the, uh, all, the, all the other words that go with spirit. We have, as uh, indigenous peoples, yeah, especially in Niaho, we have so many words for Atsak. All these words, and they, they always refer back to spirit. What mm -hmm. that's what the, the knowledge base is 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 built on attack, which is spirit, and mm. spirit is everywhere. And so when I heard this story, I was totally blown away, and I was totally amazed, and I was totally proud, and I just felt like crying. 
because mm-hmm. it means so much sense to me. Because for the longest time, ever since I remember when I was young and seen what happened to my grandparents and uh, my father, my mother, and I seen how they were treated. And uh, I got uh, taken from my parents and uh, put in foster care. Mm-hmm. And I was sent to uh, Sunday school. And I remember going there. I-, I was six years old. And I remember being forced to go to Sunday school on Sunday. And I walked in there and they started telling me about our people. And they were telling me that uh, they were going to hell because uh, they didn't uh, accept Christ as their savior. So I asked them, is, is, uh, my ancestors were, were, were in hell because they didn't know about Christianity. And he said, well, that's where they are because they didn't accept. So I got up from that place and I told that lady, I said, you know, if that's where my ancestors are, that's where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. And I walked out and I never went back there. So I've always had a problem with, uh, with organized religion and all the contradictions that went with it. And anyway, so uh, when I heard the story, I, I, I pretty much broke down and, and, and broke into tears because it felt so so right. And the story is about Chagashishquil. And he talks about uh, our, our, our fundamental belief as uh, as beings. They say, Kitsamantu, uh, our creator, mm-hmm. a creator made everything. We saw all that is he made. The creator made and... Uh, Creator had a thought, and whatever Creator thought about came into being. And when, when that thought entered whatever was created, Atsak was born. Spirit was there. Mm-hmm. So the first crea- thought Creator had was Ashinyak. And so so those rocks were, were, were being. Before anything else was, those rocks were floating around. Mm-hmm. And that's what science tells us now. The rocks were floating around before anything else was. And so that's why we call them the Mushroom Nogum especially mm-hmm. in the sun and the sweat lodge, because uh, we equate them with the oldest things that we know. Mm-hmm. Because they have spirit and they're our relatives, because they're made from the same creator. So with this thought that creator had, there's a name for it. And uh, my teacher identified it as Kishkogak. Uh, Kishkogak. When you say Kishkogak, uh, you're talking about the light of day, the energy that the day brings. And Kishkogak is being of energy. Being mm-hmm. of. And so creator had a thought and these beings of energy came into being and they roamed the cosmos and looking for new experiences, looking for new things to do. Because one of the things that the elders have said, and that's totally mind blowing, is that right now at this very second, creation is still being created and it's ever ongoing. And therefore, creation is still being made. Therefore, it's still expanding. Therefore, the knowledge that we have about creation is very little. Mm-hmm. We're, we're pitiful, pitiful people. Mm-hmm. And so this small understanding we have, and and then we look we look at, at, at so much out there, and then uh, they go on to say it. So Kishko got roamed these cosmos, and one particular one, her name was Achagos Squill. She came by our reality, and she uh, saw that Milky Way there, and she, and she saw this hole in the sky. So she looked through that hole in the sky, and there was Ashki, our Earth, and she looked through there, and she saw what was all happening down there. She saw the animals, she saw the uh, the mountains, the waters, the plants, the winds, the, the tornadoes, the lightning, all that stuff. And she was very intrigued. She wanted to go down there and visit. Mm-hmm. But she knew she couldn't negotiate that hole in the sky, and she needed assistance. But she also knew there was another one of her kind that looked after those doorways. And in this particular part of our, our reality, her name was Kugumanagasis. Kugumanagasis, grandmother spider. Mm-hmm. And she sits on the Milky Way, and she was in charge of that doorway. And so 
Atagasta Square approached uh, Gugu Managasis and uh, she asked her if she could go down to go visit that place because it looked very interesting, it looked very beautiful. And so she was told by Gugu Managasis, yes, there's three conditions you gotta you got to accept it before you can go down there. One is when you go down there, you got to take a physical form. The next condition is when you go down there, you got to take a gift with you so it'll remind you of where you come from. And the last condition is you can't stay long when you go down there. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously square. She agreed to these conditions. And so Gugumanaga, she sent a single strand of webbing to that hole in the sky and lowered down Star Woman. Mm-hmm. And when she came down and she touched the earth, she took a physical form, and that physical form was us, the human beings. And the gift she bought was the original star blanket. The original star blanket has seven points because that hole in the sky our people call Pagwangizik. And it's right where the Aplides are. So there's seven stars that used to be visible. So those seven-pointed star that Star Woman bought down, that was the original star blanket. And it represents Pagwangizik, the hole in the sky, the Pleiades, the seven sisters. So as for being of energy, how long is long? So she stayed a lifetime. So we're told she was the first one here. And we refer to her now as Kugume now, the first grandmother. And so through her, we all come here. That single strand of webbing, that was lowered down. We all come through that. We call that the umbilical cord. Mm-hmm. We get here. And then we stay a lifetime. And we experience and we learn. And then when, when we're finished, we go back up. So when we're born, the, the, in traditional times, they would they would wrap wrap us in, in a blanket, a star blanket. That's how that's how go. And then when we pass on again, they would wrap us in a blanket to, to tell us we're going back home now. Mm-hmm. Through that hole in the sky, to that place. And when they're talking about that hole in the sky, they're talking about a spatial anomaly. They're talking about a wormhole. They're talking about a black hole. So our people are discussing and thinking about and pondering alternate realities. They're talking about multiple universes. And they go on even further to say that when we sleep, those dreams, they connect us to that hole in the sky. And they show us glimpses continuously. The dreams... As the indigenous people were always uh, right from when we were young, we're, we're told about dreams and the importance of dreams because they're they're uh, they go hand in hand with Altagak, the spirits. And uh, mm-hmm. our dreams, our elders tell us that when we sleep, we dream continuously, even though we don't realize that we're dreaming. We can't remember when we wake up, but we're always dreaming. And he said, when we dream, we make a connection to Pagwangisik, that hole in the sky. And when we do that, we see infinite possibilities that are that could happen so we're, that's why we're constantly dreaming looking at all these possibilities and sometimes in our waking moments we're sitting there and all of a sudden we will think hey i seen this before or or something something is going oh, this is going to happen now because you see it in your head that, mm-hmm. that's elders say that's when all the chain of events that you, you dreamt about fell into place and this thing became a reality so that's a possibility so there's infinite possibilities out there and they were talking about this and Little old man in uh, Little Pine, Alex Bonas, nice quiet little mm-hmm. man. He's talking about quantum theory when he's talking about this, the infinite possibilities that are out there, the multiple realities. When people understand and start making those connections, they'll be totally awestruck of the depth of knowledge that our people hold. That's amazing. So when you start telling these stories and our young people, what's the reaction that you get from our young people when you start uh, visiting with them and talking about you with your, your planetariums you bring out to them. What kind of reaction do you get from our young ones? I guess the best compliments I ever get when I go to a community is 
Atago Snapel, Mego, the star guy. I've been given a name. They know me mm-hmm. because in, in our communities, they don't say, if they don't they don't remember your name, but they remember what you do. So when they say that, I, I know that I've gotten truth to them somehow. And uh, that's the compliment they pay me. I'm pretty proud of that. No, that's very exciting that they lift you up for your knowledge and your experience and your wisdom and your teachings. Now, what's left? You mentioned that there's 15% knowledge, traditional knowledge remaining. Um, can you expand on that? And what can we learn from that? Well, there's so much to learn. I had a chance to uh, sit down and talk with one of my elders before he passed on by the name of uh, Don Cardinal. One of the things that uh, we, he talked about was that, that all the trauma that happened to our people. Everything that happened right from con- first contact right through up to now, and that is still going on. It's that historical trauma that's going on. All that knowledge that was lost. You're saying that if you think about it like this, if you have a community of 100 people and then Everybody in that community has one word to a hundred word song. So when everybody gets together, everybody can recite that song because everybody has a part to play in it. And that whole song can be sung. That represents all the knowledge base of the people right there. And then one morning you wake up and 85 of them are gone. That's what happened to us. Through the historical trauma, through through all the diseases, through the epidemics, the pandemics, through all the uh, the colonization, the the residential school, the scoops, and all these, all these, the child welfare system, all these things that happened and are still happening to our people. That knowledge mm-hmm. base, but then, but then, like uh, like what uh, our elder Ken Goodwill said, it gives us hope that uh, we can rebuild because we still do those things. And, and right now, the hope that I see for our young people is that a lot of them, the more and more of them, are coming back to ceremony. More and more of them are asking questions about uh, the history that they're being taught in the schools and the educational systems. Now, I'm going to ask about, uh, you, you talked earlier on about quantum theory, you know, infinite possibilities and our elders without saying those words, uh, but we're actually discussing and talking about that. So in terms of Western science and uh, how can, can uh, Western science uh, be learned from First Nations perspective and from our knowledge of our, our, the stars and our elders' traditional knowledge about how things fit in the universe. How can you make that connection and, and discussion? Can you expand on those things? Sure, yeah. So going through a university system and the educational system and being a teacher myself for over 25 years, one of the things that I found in when I was teaching math and science is that uh, a lot of them disassociate themselves from everything else and they uh, compartmentalize science and they compartmentalize math. And uh, nothing else is ex- included. And for our people, that that's not the case at all. Our people look at everything as a whole and how everything connects with, and how everything works off everything else and how is it, everything depends on everything else. And so the part that's missing for the scientists is the, the spirit aspect of it. And for, for our people, that's the whole basis of everything, of existence, is spirit. Everything is talked about is has in, in relation to spirit. And spirit is everywhere. And you can't disconnect spirit. And so with some of the elders, they, uh, they have a little chuckle when, whenever they hear a scientist talking about, uh, oh, they were studying this thing and they uh, they sort of uh, passively dis- disconnected themselves from uh, from this experiment that they were looking at. And uh, they watched it and they didn't interfere. And they chuckle and say, how can you disconnect yourself from reality? You're, you're part of this. You're breathing the same air. You're, you're, molecules, you're interacting mm-hmm. with, with, the, with the same thing around you. That's not possible. The spirit 
is is one of the uh, the major factor and, and and stumbling blocks because they always put that up in the educational system. Spirit stops here, and knowledge, cold knowledge, is is what we work with. But a lot of that knowledge is gained through dreaming. A lot of that knowledge is gained through fasting, through meditation. A lot of that that's the way mm-hmm. Einstein gained his knowledge. I had an interesting story that was told to me, and I thought it was very awesome. I was at a mm-hmm. uh, conference in, in Ottawa just doing a presentation. And after the presentation, one of the uh, elders came up to me. And uh, she said she was from uh, northern Ontario, a place called uh, Onugaming in northern Ontario. And she said, our, our elders told us a story about a long time ago when her parents were young, that there was a visitor that came from uh, that came from the down south, Kichimugama, Kichimugama, uh, the, the big sword country, large knives country, the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came and visit, and they talked with the elders, and they held some room with the elders. And there was one particular man there, and uh, he did lots of talking, and he, he shared lots. So he was in the teaching lodge, and he was in the sweat lodge. So anyways, I, I let it pass. Then probably about maybe a year later, I was in Edmonton, and I was, again, doing a presentation. And then a couple of elders came up to me, and they were, told me the same exact same story because they were from Onegaming. They told me the story about the visitor that came. And uh, the name of the visitor that came and sat with the elders and went to a ceremony with them and talked about Bhagwan Gijik, the hole in the sky. His name is Albert Einstein. I thought that was pretty cool. So Albert Einstein mm. is discussing the theory of relativity with our elders. <laughs> talking about Bhagwan Gijik, the hole in the sky, and the alternate realities. Yeah, that is amazing. And uh, also another another story I like to tell is uh, I have a friend of mine. Her name is uh, Dr. Kim Venn, and she's an astrophysicist out of the uh, University of Victoria. And her job is to locate stars in our Milky Way system. And her partner's job is to locate planets around those stars. So I had opportunity to spend time with her a while back, and uh, I invited her to a sweat lodge. She said, you know, okay, well, I'll go to the sweat lodge, but I, I don't really uh, think too much about this organized religion stuff. But I'll attend your sweat lodge, just to show you respect, she said. I said, okay. So mm-hmm. she came. And so in the sweat lodge, we uh, we talked about some of the, uh, the perspectives that our people have in regard to Atsak. After the sweat was over, she came up to me. She said, you know, this is amazing what, what your people are discussing. She said, you're talking about your spirit is up there and then your energy, that energy, and then it comes here and then it changes form. Then it goes back up there after it's finished. And it changes form again. And she says, what you're talking about is particle theory. You're talking about thermodynamics and you're talking about energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes form and continues. And that's what that's basically what our people understand. And she said, I, I could be comfortable with this. And so she was asking about coming to a sweat. And uh, this summer she wants to attend the Sundance. We're all connected, you know, in our, in our worldview, uh, all living things. And so it's spirit, it's energy, it takes its form and... Uh, that old teaching from the Dakotas, the Sioux people, the Dakota people about uh, the star blanket, so important. That's a teaching from their tribe, eh, through Ken Goodwill. And I know uh, the importance of the star blanket because we say you're always forever surrounded by your relatives, mm-hmm. eh, because you're, when you wrap that around you, that's that teaching from our Dakota relatives. So very important teaching, but we're all connected. We're all related. But now, Wilford, next year, you're organizing the first ever Indigenous Star Knowledge Symposium here in Ottawa, and you're going to be working with NASA and the Canadian Space Agency. Tell us about that, because it sounds very exciting. 
a couple of years back, I had the uh, opportunity to uh, run into uh, the curator of the uh, Canadian Science and Technology Museum in Ottawa by the name of Dr. Ken Pantaloni. He'd asked me, uh, he'd approached me and asked if I was interested in uh, helping with a, uh, a First Nations astronomy display at the museum. And I said, sure. So he said, well, you could be a co-curator co co-curator of this, uh, this exhibition. And so we set it up. And during the time we set it up, we got to talking to him. And one of the things I, I sort of mentioned to him was this dream I had about getting Indigenous people from all over the world together in one place and sitting down with them and uh, sharing the knowledge that we have. And then uh, taking that knowledge and then inviting uh, Western science to come and sit in, talking about this knowledge base and how certain theories that we have jibe with the certain theories that they have and how they could fit together. And from that, make some sort of uh, educational lessons we could we could send out to the schools all over the world. And so we were planning to do that, and then uh, COVID happened. And then when COVID happened, we uh, we had to switch gears. We started doing webinars. We did the first one last September, and then we did one in December. And we're doing one in April the 28th will be our third one. And then in June 21st will be the fourth one. And they all be webinar, all be virtual. But hopefully in June 21st, we'll have a group of people in each of the uh, the locations, at least just a group of people, so they can sit down and talk face to face. And one of the things I, wa I wanted to do, address with that is the uh, idea of uh, connecting with, with spirit, having ceremony before anything else was started, anything else begun. That's what we've been working on. And uh, hopefully in the future we can uh, sit down and we can uh, sit face to face and do ceremony and then uh, listen to our relatives relate their stories. That sounds exciting, bringing together Indigenous elders from around the world and, uh, you know, learning and from each other. And uh, I really, really like your, your aspect before anything happens, ceremony goes mm -hmm. first. You know, always putting that first and uh, getting that help, guidance, direction and support to make sure things go uh, in a good mm -hmm. way, in a good way. That's amazing. So that's going to be coming up. So there's going to be a first ever symposium coming up here in Ottawa. And uh, and there are some webinars, April 28th, the webinar, then June 21st, right. webinar. So, Will, for this has really been an exciting times, and uh, it's such a great honor to listen to you and, and uh, to learn from you and everything that you shared with us. Now, is there anything else you want to share before I ask my final question? I have one question, and you talked about it a little earlier on about Hope, but is there anything else you want to share regarding – uh, the teachings, the, the star relatives, uh, anything else from the elders that uh, that you listened to over the years? One of the most amazing things that happened to me was uh, I was at a Sundance in uh, Saddle Lake, the chief, the Sundance chief, our, our elder, uh, Noel Cardinal, who mm -hmm. recently uh, gone on. He invited me into the lodge, into the Sundance Lodge, and, and then on the north side of that lodge, he showed me a place where uh, the sod was cut into a shape of a diamond. And, mm -hmm. uh, he told me that each of those points of that diamond, there was uh, sacred beings, and one of them was Pineasu, Pineasu the Thunderbird, and of course Ukumawa, I think, is uh, the nest for Pineasu. And he said, "This one is in the sky." He said, and he pointed and he, to the south doorway, and he pointed in, and he said, "It's up there." And I, I thought that was pretty cool that, that that he would he took the time to show me that because uh, that man was amazing. Because I ran into that man about three times prior to that. And uh, that's when uh, Don Cardinal passed away, and I was uh, I was lost. And I was uh, felt, felt alone, and I, I didn't know what to do. 
And before Don left, he told me that because I was having a series of dreams, he sat me down and he said, you know, you can't run away forever, he told me. He said that, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be here forever. You're going to have to, at some point, take up some responsibility. And these dreams you're having, that tells you what you got to do. Now you got to do it. Because at that point, I've been running away from uh, the responsibility. And so I took up the responsibility of uh, putting up Sundance Lodge. And then he passed on. And then I, w- I was totally lost. And I, I was I was always scared about uh, people questioning me about who the hell you think you are trying to do something like this. Yeah. And uh, things like that. And, and uh, so I had these things in my head all the time. And three times in a row, I ran into Noah Cardinal. And before I even asked him any question, he answered all my doubts. He answered them. And uh, so I was totally blown away by by him because I didn't say, say that I was worried. I didn't tell him nothing. And he answered all the questions that I'd had. And anyway, so after he, sh- he showed me that Pinesho, Nipin Pinesho, we call him, the Summer Thunderbird, I was talking to somebody from Omaha. He showed me a picture of a of a rock painting. And on that rock painting was a form of a bird. He said, mm-hmm. this thing is in the sky somewhere. And then I remember right away, I immediately connected it to what, what uh, Noah had said about the sky. And uh, the head of that thunderbird is a triangle, just like a syllabic. So I looked in the sky for that thing, and I found it. And it's in the sky right above... In, in the summertime, when the Milky Way comes out, as, when it gets dark, the center of our galaxy is right on the horizon in the south. And right on top of that is Nipin Pinesio, the big, huge thunderbird. It's a great, big, huge, massive uh, thunderbird. And it's sitting there with his wings spread open. And underneath it is the nest. I identified what the, what the stars were after going through a bunch of maps and stuff. So one of the things I, I realized then is that if you sit in the lodge, in the Sundance Lodge, in the Cree Sundance Lodge with that south doorway, and when you look south, there's the Thunderbird. He's right there. He's sitting right there in the sky. And I thought that was totally amazing. <laughs> yeah, it all fits. That's an amazing teaching. Wilford, it's a, a pleasure and honor to have listened to you. And uh, thank you for the work you do. And thank you for... Uh, uh, taking up the challenge from the old people, the elders, you know, to continue on with these ways, because that's always their biggest mm-hmm. thing. They're not going to always physically be here in this world, so they expect younger ones to listen and learn, how come they carry on, and that's what I see you're doing. So now, this last question I always ask our guests is, in light of everything we're facing with now on Turtle Island as First Nations people, in light of COVID-19, the pandemic, and all the things we're still feeling, the intergenerational trauma from residential schools and colonization and all these things from 60s scoop to child welfare. Uh, amidst all these things, what, what, what gives you hope? What can you offer our listeners? Say, what gives Wilfred Buck hope that things are going to change and get better? What gives you hope as an individual? Well, the thing that gives me hope is the young people. They're willing to learn. They're willing to, to, to question, of course, question the authority of a uh, the educational institutions, question the authority of the church, and even even question the authority of a government and, and not take it so willingly to question why. And um, their willingness to uh, to go back to ceremony, to find their roots, and then from there slowly work from there into adjusting their perspective to make our people more, more powerful, more strong. Because uh, that was given to us a long time ago. There is a constellation in the sky called the male. The male with a sturgeon, and he swims in the Milky Way, Hachak, CEP. 
the river spirits. And one, his nose touches one side of the Milky Way and his tail touches the other side of the Milky Way. And he swims. And, and we're told that where that sturgeon swims, that's the present. And where his nose touches, that's the future. And where his tail touches, that's the past. There's 13 stars to make up that constellation, but there's seven main ones. And those seven main ones represent generations. And we, right now in the present, swimming in that Milky Way, we're right in the center of those seven. So there's three ahead of us and there's three behind us. So, of course, behind us are our parents, our grandparents, and our great-grandparents. And in front of us are our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. So the two extremes, the great-grandchildren and the great-grandparents, of course, we call them Tzapan, the ones that tie together. So one ties together the future, our our great-grandchildren, and our great-grandparents tie together the past. In the center, us, is our job to continue to pass on the knowledge that was sent down to us. And if you want those people in the future to be strong, to be proud, to be strong, to be understanding, to be kind, to be loving, then the, the message that we were given, we have to send on to the ones in front of us so they can take into the future to people we don't know. So that's all of our job, and that's the job of our, our children and our grandchildren. That's a powerful message, Wilford, and that re-echoes everything that we've always heard from our old people, our elders, the knowledge keepers, about how we have to walk in both worlds, you know, kindergarten, to, to, to grade 12 on to university technical vocational skills on one hand but equally important on the other hand are your languages and your ceremonies and your traditions and your customs and uh, and it's, it's, it is hopeful that our young people are coming back to ceremony getting that good balance so again thanks so much Wilford for coming on the Akamaymuk podcast it's been a pleasure and honor alright thank you very much thanks sir and I want to thank all the people for listening to the Akamaymuk podcast If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Give us a rating and tell your friends about us on social media. And as always, we want to give a big shout out to the Red Dog Singers of the Treaty 4 Territory in Southern Saskatchewan for providing our theme music. Until next time, I'm Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations.